Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Okay. Someone needs to explain this to me. How does this keep happening? You, I mean, this can't really be happening. I mean, you can't be serious that this is happening. I like, I'm trying to process it. I don't get it. It makes absolutely no sense. I, it was, it was su- such a simple idea. Hey, everyone, let's take the Sermons 2.0 app, right? Let's randomly choose sermons and let's start this year off with the mo, you know, trying to focus on things spiritually, trying to get as much spiritual food as possible, uh, using a great resource. Let, let's make this work, right? So it was, a, I, I thought it was a great idea. I really did. But here we are, January the 3rd. And guess what happened? January the 1st, what happened? Well, instead of really focusing on anything spiritual, I had to focus on, well, John Lennon's Imagine and ensuring that people properly understand the song, don't misrepresent the song, and speak accurately when referring to the song, and maybe take a few minutes to figure out how to interpret lyrics. So that that's that's what happened with Sermon 1 on January the 1st. It Instead of ta- talking about James chapter 4, which was the passage, sadly it turned into a discussion about John Lennon and the song Imagine. Then on January the 2nd, it turned into Taylor Swift, some made-up lyrics... They said they were quoting lyrics. No, they weren't. They were quoting made-up lyrics. Uh, they they didn't even tell us the song, but even if you find the song that they, that they were kind of playing in the background, it wasn't the lyrics that they were reading. And the next thing you know, that had something to do with snakes, and then it had something to do with Travis Kelsey, and then it had something to do with COVID, and it had something to do with the Antichrist. I don't even know what that was. But here we are today. Wednesday. January the 3rd, 2024, it is currently 10.40 a.m. Central Time. I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And ladies and gentlemen, all I can say, it's happened again. I chose a random sermon. Now, this time it wasn't even as random because as many of you know, if you heard the live broadcast last night, today is the Memorial Day, what was typically set aside as a Memorial Day, for the holy name of Jesus. It, on the liturgical calendar, this is a day set aside to remember the holy name of Jesus. So then I was like, okay, I'll just do, do a search for name of Jesus and choose a random sermon. So I, I typed in name of Jesus chose a random sermon, and ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to believe this, music and a song is involved again. <laughs> I, I cannot believe, I, I, I literally cannot believe this has happened. I, I look, I cannot, I look, I don't even know how to, pri- like this, it's like someone is messing with me. Like this is a joke. I'm going to wake up in a minute and realize 
that it was a dream or I'm going to find out that I'm like on, on camera. Someone is messing with me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm part of some kind of comedy show. I don't like, how can it happen that three days in a row music specific songs? Now, of course, in the second one, it was, a, it was a, a specific song with made up lyrics because, you know, we wouldn't want to accurately represent what we're talking about. Okay. But I, I, I see, I'm not going to go back to that. I'm going to stay calm. Now, in this case, the one positive thing is, well, it's more positive. In other words, it's not some conspiratorial craziness. But once again, it's pop music. Now, this one's a little, well, John Lennon was 1971. I think I'd have to look at the, when this album was released. I think it was the 60s. I think it was the late 60s. I don't know the date of this album that he's going to reference. We'll have to, we'll have to look up the date when he talks about it. But once again, something that that's supposed to be about the name of Jesus. Now the text is Isaiah 9, uh, but it still turns into music, but not in a negative way. Not, so the only positive about this is, well, it's positive. We're not going to have to sit here and go, okay, now wait a minute. What was the actual lyrics? What was actually said? Wait, you're completely misrepresenting it. Hey, instead of making up lyrics, why don't you quote the real lyrics? And hey, if you're going to accuse Taylor Swift of having something to do with snakes, why don't you actually listen to what she had to say about why she utilizes that imagery instead of you know, turning it into a satanic plot to make us all surrender to the Antichrist. Um, man, sometimes, sometimes. But today, I think this one will be more positive. But I, 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 I just had to laugh. Now, this is three days in a row. What would, do we make it to the end of January and every random sermon that I chose was about music? I mean, I can't. You can't make this up. This is just so ridiculous. Like, I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't, maybe every, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know how to process it. I don't even know what to say. So instead of saying anything, let's go listen. Are you ready? All right. We'll listen to this and then I'll tell you about the sermon because you should go download this sermon. You really should. Um, you should download it. I think he's got a series on the name of Jesus, which that would give you plenty to do today, since today is the memorial for the holy name of Jesus on the liturgical calendar, if you follow that. that. And the lectionary readings today deal with that. I, I talked about that in the broadcast last night. But we're going to set all of that aside. We're going to listen to this sermon. I'm not going to give name or anything right now, but at the end I will, because I, whenever, I, whenever I do these broadcasts about the Sermons 2.0 Sermon Challenge, that I'm giving you the names because I really want you to go download them. I want you to listen to the ones I'm mentioning if you can, if you have the time, just because I want them to get another stream, another download. Now, in this case, this this gentleman doesn't need another download or stream. Uh, this this one has like well over 3,000 uh, downloads and streams where all the others that we have listened to. You know, now the one about Taylor Swift and snakes, sadly, that had the most, of all the ones I've listened to, that had the most downloads up till today. Now, this one... Uh, is much more than the other. All the other actual sermons I've listened to are, you know, have been sm uh, uh, much less downloads than the one about Taylor Swift and snakes. And I'm talking about going back before January the 1st when we kind of were already starting our little challenge, but which is kind of depressing, but I'm not shocked by it. If you do controversy, if you do conspiracy, if you just throw out craziness, like you build it, they will come. You want an audience? Just say outlandish, 
crazy thing. Doesn't worry. Don't worry about if it's true. Don't worry about facts. Don't worry about misrepresenting. Don't worry about slander. Don't worry about gossip. Don't worry about bearing false witness. And you will be popular within the Christian world. I hate to say that. I hate to say that. That's very unfortunate. But there is a lot of truth to that. All right. Are you ready? Let's listen. Here we go. Now, in our Advent Sunday morning series, uh, Jesus' name above all names, uh, we were thinking the first Sunday of Advent about Philippians chapter 2, from which these words are taken, and then last Lord's Day, from the promise that Emmanuel would come. And this morning, we turn in our Bibles to the prophecy of Isaiah chapter now, that's Philippians 2, Matthew 1, and you take uh, Philippians uh, 2 and Matthew 1, those are the lectionary readings for today, all right? So, that fits in perfectly, right? Fits in perfectly. And, uh, yeah, in fact, I'm going to, yeah, uh, hang on, I, I may have them right here. Actually, I may have them right here so that I can give you the specific ones. Yeah, uh, it's, Philippi it's Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Yeah, I wanted to verify the Matthew passage, okay? So those are the, so in his series, he covers both of the lectionary readings. So you, so when I give you the name of this, you may want to go find the series. And then, then today, remember, all today, what I want you focused on today is, well, the holy name of Jesus and all the implications that arises from that, okay? So this is awesome. You can, again, that's, that's what the beauty of the Sermons 2.0 app. We have so much available to us. There's sometimes some crazy stuff as we've seen over the last two days, but this sounds much more reasonable and hopefully very beneficial. Still, though, we're going to have music. So let's let's see what happens. Chapter 9 and verses 2 through 7, and you'll find this passage in your pew Bible on page 573. I kind of cut him off there. Isaiah 9, I think it's 2 through 7, that he's getting ready to read. And for children who have their own children's Bible with them, the passage is on page 837, 837. This is God's Word, and we give attention to it. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, 
to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If you belong to roughly my generation, you must have lived a very sheltered life if your life, your thinking, was not both influenced by and expressed through the popular music of the late 1960s and the early 1970s, the great vintage of popular music, if I, an expert in these things, may dare to say. And you will remember, I am quite sure, many of those great LPs which Simon and Garfunkel produced. They call that vinyl these days, and I think you can still buy them as CDs. I particularly remember the first time I heard parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme drawn from the first track, Are You Going to Scarborough Fair? But the track on that LP, vinyl, CD, that left the longest impression on me was the final track, Simon and Garfunkel singing Silent Night. And those of you who are familiar with it will remember that as the strains of Silent Night are being sung, a voice gradually appears in the background and then takes its place in the foreground, and it's a newscaster. And he is reading the news, the evening news of a particular day. He records the death of the comedian Lenny Bruce from an overdose. He speaks about the arraignment of Richard Speck, who had murdered nine nurses in Chicago, some of you will still remember, of disruption through the civil rights movement, of anti-Vietnam protests. And then the whole thing ends with the words, and that's the seven o'clock news tonight. And then, silent night, holy night. And the impression, whether intended or not, neither Simon nor Garfunkel, as far as I know, were or are professing Christian believers, part of the intention was to make the listener feel the tension between these two things, the Christmas singing and the reality of the world. Now, first... Okay, so we, when, we, when we started doing this, this challenge, we were first confronted with someone completely misrepresenting Imagine by John Lennon. That's 1971. Then we had someone completely misrepresenting and accusing Taylor Swift of who knows what by quoting lyrics that aren't even actual lyrics and misrepresenting the imagery that she used and didn't even bother to listen to what she had to say about said imagery. Now, today, what we have is someone using Simon and Garfunkel and literally trying to actually represent what they were doing accurately. 
Isn't it amazing the, the difference when someone just wants to accuse and misrepresent and slander versus someone who takes a piece of art and tries to understand it? And that that what they were trying to do is show this contrast, this tension between reality and maybe what some may, ref- may. Now, if you're very critical of Christianity, you could say the fantasy of faith or the fantasy of of religion and trying to show this contrast. Here's the seven o'clock, seven o'clock news. Here's what's really going on in the world. And uh, now let's sing Holy Night that gives us this idea and this image of something that is clearly not happening because that was just the seven o'clock news. That's powerful. That's powerful. And, and art is supposed to do that. But in a reality, I think that there's, now I don't know if he's going to use this illustration in this way, but I, what I want you to do is I want you to consider this illustration from this perspective. Today is the day that we think about, remember, and try to understand the significance of the name of Jesus. And when you read things like Isaiah 9, right, where we read those words and we find them, here we go. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. When we consider his name and the significance of those names and what could be implied from those names, and then you turn on the seven o'clock news, six o'clock news, five o'clock news, or your favorite news podcast that updates every hour. By the end of the day, you may be going, I don't know what's so wonderful. And if he's the counselor and if he's the mighty God and if he's the everlasting father and if he's the prince of peace, something is wrong with this world. And you may find yourself in conflict. So him using this song is powerful. It's powerful. Simon and Garfunkel here. Here's the seven o'clock news. Now let's sing. Let's sing this and, and, and see the contrast. I think that that's brilliant that he's using this in an illustration. But most importantly, what I love is that he's actually trying to represent it correctly and understand what they were saying. And he even acknowledges that Simon and Garfunkel themselves, as far as he knows, had not said anything about it. That's so he actually cares what the artist may have said about the lyrics and about the song. This is just like this is how Christianity should operate. Not the other stuff that we saw, which was just crazy. So let's see what else he has to say about this. The silent night and the sound of guns and war and protest and anger and disappointment and fear. I don't know whether the whole point of that was to destroy the illusion of the Christmas message, and there is no doubt whatsoever that the illusion of Christmas does need to be destroyed in many people's minds. But there is also a sense in which that strange juxtaposition of alienation and hatred and disappointment, political unrest and war on the one hand, is, of course, the very atmosphere, the very world into which the Christmas gospel first came and always needs to be proclaimed. The greatest folly, of course, at this Christmas, 
would to make the naive assumption that somehow or another there will be this kind of international peace in our world. The war to end all wars almost a hundred years ago simply spawned more. The Second World War, the present conflicts, oh, if only they were ended, the world would be exactly the same place it was when those conflicts began, and other conflicts will go on till the end of the age, which is why this message of that silent night is so utterly vital for our world because we delude ourselves if we think that our lives will be more stable, our hearts more peaceful, our families more joyful, if only wars out there will come to an end. And this, of course, is the reason why the prophet Isaiah, having already announced that Emmanuel will come, God with us, now here in this chapter, Repronounces Emmanuel's name. Now, in some ways, this fits perfectly with Imagine by John Lennon. Remember, my whole thing with Imagine by John Lennon is he's imagining a world that could be perfect in peace, a, a utopian, you know, existence where there is no starvation, there's no suffering, there's no war, there's no greed. Every, everything is wonderful and everything is awesome. And I, and, and he, and, and for John Lennon, he thought, well, the only way to achieve this is to get rid of all of these things that divide and all these things that causes the problems and the pain. And my argument would be, John, you can remove all of that. Things are still not going to be wonderful because there's something wrong in our world, and that is the sinful nature. So your desire for that is well understood. Everyone wants that, but it's still not there. And in this case, someone's like, hey, this silent night, this this kind of idea, well, it's more of illusion because here's the reality. And you know what? It is true. That reality exists. But even if you could remove some of that reality and stop the war and stop the protests and stop the division, their things still would not be perfect and right because we have a sinful nature. So what we need is, and I, and I, and this is very difficult for all of us to comprehend is the gospel message is not so much about coming to make everything perfect and right in this world. It's making us right with God in the midst of a world that is still fallen. And even though we still have a sinful nature, and even though we still struggle and we still sin, we are right with God because of what Jesus did. And then ultimately, ultimately, God then will make all things right, but that will be in his time. In the meantime, this world will still suffer the consequences of the fall, and we will still experience the consequences of the fall because we still have a sinful nature. But that that creates that very weird dynamic that in one hand, okay, we have a God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, holy. He loves. He's gracious. But then look at our world. And, and sometimes it doesn't make sense that why won't God just fix everything? Make everything right now. I wish he would. If he is Emmanuel, God with us, if he's all powerful, if he's the mighty God, the everlasting father, the creator of heaven and earth, fix it now. But it doesn't always work that way. 
So he's now going to go to Isaiah 9, and let's see how he maps this out a little bit. Spells it out, not with one or two, or even as we would do, with three names, but with four great names, and sets him in his mind's eye in the context of deep darkness and conflict, which, of course, throughout the whole book of Isaiah is actually, as it were, a physical picture for the deeper darkness of the human heart, and the deliverer who will come is a picture of a greater deliverer than any human deliverer or ruler or peacemaker could possibly be. And so here he announces in the midst of this gloom and darkness, and we know he's speaking about the Lord Jesus because these words in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 are quoted in the context of the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus, the light of the world, penetrates the darkness and brings to us everything that we could possibly need for our salvation, because He is first wonderful counselor, second mighty God, third everlasting Father, and fourth prince of peace. He is a great Savior, and He is all of these things all of the time to all of His people. This is the vision that Isaiah sees, although he knows less about its fulfillment, obviously, than we now, by God's grace, do. Is Jesus this to me? He is, says Isaiah, the counselor who has exactly the wisdom we need. And he portrays the human condition under this great picture of people walking in darkness, having no light stumbling around, feeling their way, as it were, to something that will anchor the whole of their lives, and yet having no guidance. In a sense, what he pictures here is a world, a heart, a life, in which the 23rd Psalm does not work. The Lord is my shepherd, even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness. I will fear no evil because you are with me. That isn't true for everybody. You just need to go to funeral services to understand this is not true for everyone. But there's that contrast again. He is my shepherd, but I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yet he will comfort me. Right? There's that contrast. He is my shepherd, 
but yet this is, is something I may experience. Hey, he is the wonderful counselor, but we may find ourselves in darkness and despair and, and difficult situations. He's the mighty God, yet I may wish that he would be using that might to resolve this or to fix this or to fix that or to fix this. That is that contrast, that difficulty where we have reality, but we have this spiritual reality, this these theological realities that we sometimes don't see at playing out in a practical way, which can lead to that confusion and that struggle. So there's there's kind of a, a theme emerging here that I think is kind of, of interesting that he may not be as doubling down on as I would focus on, but I think it's important today when you consider the name of Jesus, uh, all the things his name implies, and it will be a stark contrast to the reality in which you experience. There is that idea of faith versus sometimes what our circumstances show us. And Isaiah sees that the Lord Jesus is a wonderful counselor, a wonderful guide for those who are in darkness if they will only come to him. But instead, what do we do in our moral and spiritual darkness? We create our coping mechanisms. We are lonely, but we pretend that all is well. We find ourselves disturbed in conscience, but we smile. We have no real relationships in which others encourage us and guide us, but we keep others at arm's length. And instead of as it were, doing the simplest thing of all, coming to trust in Jesus Christ. We produce all of our coping mechanisms so that we continue to pretend that we don't really need this Savior. That's the world in which we live. I've never forgotten many years ago sitting on a panel of theologians to assess the comprehensive exam of a doctoral student. It was by no means granted an easy exam, two days of written papers, morning, noon, and night, and then brought in before these theologians to ask any question about anything they wanted to. And this particular student had done rather well in his written papers, but when he came to the oral exam, he was all at sea. Theologian after theologian asking questions and getting no answers. He was dismissed and brought back another day, dismissed and brought back another day, until with exasperation, one faculty member said to him, how is it that you've done so well in your written exam? They were beginning to think that he had used a dodgy computer to write it. How can you have done so well on your written exam, and you can hardly answer any of our questions when we ask you? And the student owned up. He said, well, in preparation for the exam, I memorized 93 articles from theological dictionaries, and they weren't short articles. And we are all sitting there thinking, don't you think it would have been easier just to learn and understand the material? Silly man, we think, except we do it, don't we? 
We have all these coping mechanisms, and sometimes they are coping mechanisms against the basic work of God in our lives that He wants to be in Jesus Christ, the guide and counselor that we need through life. We pretend that we've got it all worked out, but it's just a coping mechanism. String of degrees behind my name. And I'm going to double down on this contrast that I'm, I'm trying to get across. We have coping mechanisms because we try to cope with the reality which we perceive, we see, we feel, we live in. So then we have coping mechanisms because we experience this in real time. Now, the thing is, do I go with coping mechanisms, which are basically of the flesh, of the mind, trying to deal with the reality that I am experiencing? Or do I put aside my coping mechanism to embrace the wonderful counselor and his counsel, which may go against what I feel, what I see, and what I'm experiencing, and may put forth ideas, concepts that are, well, it's only going to be seen by faith because they're not going to be experienced by sight and in this life. Well, sometimes that counsel seems so absurd compared to the world in which I'm living. So I may say, oh, I know that's a wonderful counsel, oh, but I got to come up with a better plan because that's ridiculous. That's, that's, that has nothing to do with what I'm actually experiencing because what I'm experiencing is this. And this is, so then we come up with our ideas and our plans. I think that that contrast is still there. I know he's not going with that contrast, but he established that contrast by utilizing uh, the song by Simon and Garfunkel, Seven O'Clock News, Silent Night. I think it's that's how it's written on the L LP. And so um, that I, I love that contrast that he started off with, but he's not he's not maintaining that. But I think that that's that's the struggle that we have. Wonderful counselor, but his counsel is not of this world. His counsel is not of the flesh. His counsel is spiritual, not material. And it can be confused. It can be, it makes no sense. I mean, we don't we see that throughout the Bible? Abraham, this is what's going to happen. Do, do what? How is that going to happen? Okay, well, I believe it now. Well, then as time progresses, mm, we need a coping mechanism because this isn't happening. And they came up with a coping mechanism. Didn't work out so well, did it? Even even the story, I mean, we just, we're, we're leaving the Christmas season behind, right? Joseph, based off the reality, had a coping mechanism. I got to put away Mary. I just got to give her a, a certificate of divorce, put her away, and I got to move on with my life. The counsel was, the, the wonderful counselor, the, the spiritual counsel was, no, 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 no. She, what she has conceived is by the Holy Ghost. Whoa, whoa, wait, what? That makes no sense physically, materially in this life. There was that contrast. Well, I think there's a contrast when we consider the names of Jesus and all the implications that arise from it and the life in which we live. And we have to embrace that conflict. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I want to keep listening. But I just want, first, I just wanted to, to me, it's hilarious that he used a song because that's three days in a row. So we go from John Lennon and Imagine... We go from Taylor Swift in a made-up song, and then we go to Simon and Garfunkel, 7 o'clock news slash silent night. <laughs> what? I, I don't know what's next. But in a roundabout way, if we take Imagine by John Lennon, 
We take seven o'clock news slash silent night, and we take some of the things that we were just heard in this sermon. We kind of, I think there's some spiritual ideas arising from a lot of that that we could discuss and we could talk about. If you think about it, John Lennon looked at the world and was like, look at this world. I, I need something better. I imagine a world that would be better. And in his mind, the coping mechanism is to get rid of all these things that he thinks was causing all the problems in the world. Religion, governments, this and that. That Get rid of those ideas and then we'll all be one. Now, his he was trying to cope with it in a in a sense, a material way. And I, and the, the scriptural thing would be, no, even if you got rid of all those things, there's a, there's a spiritual reality, which you do not recognize. And that is human depravity. Then in this sermon, he draws that contrast again. Simon and Garfunkel was like, here's seven o'clock news, but here's this wonderful song, Silent Night, and trying to embrace that contrast or maybe trying to destroy the illusion of Silent Night. Whatever we could argue their attempt was, it still has the same powerful impact. The spiritual versus the material, the, 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 the eternal versus the temporal. So today, the name of Jesus, he's called Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. Well, guess what? That's a spiritual reality. He saves his people from their sins by an imputed righteousness. But reality, we still feel the unrighteousness and the sin. And it seems like a conflict in which some people try to come up with coping mechanisms. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't be saved because you're still doing this and this and this. No, I was saved by an imputed righteousness. Well, wait, we, we struggle. We, so there's a spiritual reality. That the spiritual reality is I am holy, perfect, righteous, and obedient in Christ. The conflict with that reality is, well, the reality that I'm a sinner who struggles with this and that and this, and I could make a, I could give you, you know, we could go for, you know, a two hour confession uh, if, if we wanted to. And by the end of it, you would be so disturbed. You would probably be like, I'm never listening again. But that's the reality, right? There's that conflict again. He is called Emmanuel, God with us. But there was a conflict because the reality the physical material reality is that looks like a, a, a little baby. And wait a minute. He's God with us. He's hanging on the cross dying. He can't be God with us. That makes no sense. There was that conflict, that contrast. He's the mighty God. Well, if he's the mighty God, could he use that might to do something with this broken world? There's that, that struggle. There's two realities. That's that's something I am just meditating on today from listening to this. But I want you to go listen to that sermon. It is called Jesus, Name Above All Names by Dr. Sinclair B. Ferguson. Jesus, Name Above All Names, Dr. Sinclair B. Ferguson. And if you click on it, its first Presbyterian church is the broadcaster. The text is Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. The date is Sunday, December the 12th, 2010. I don't know why. Oh, okay. I know why. Because I, I wasn't looking at it under um, new sermons. I was looking at it under the subject, uh, name of Jesus. All right. So this, the sermon is called Jesus, name above all names, the fourfold name is the entire title, is Jesus, name above all names, the fourfold name. 
Dr. Sinclair B. Ferguson, First Presbyterian Church. Please go listen to that today. It's very short. Uh, there's, I mean, like we've we've only reviewed a little bit of it, and there's only like 20 minutes left, so it won't take you long. It's 35 minutes total, but you can fast forward probably five, 10 minutes there, and then you can knock out the rest in a short amount of time. And I think it will be very beneficial for you to do that today. Is what I think. Like that's my my feelings. All right. Okay, well, that that didn't work the way I wanted it to. I was trying to see something, and it's not. Yeah, that did not work. I think that's the format it, it's in. All right, never mind. I was going to look at something, but it's in the wrong format for me to be able to open it. So, all right, there you go. I want to I keep listening. I want to keep listening, but we'll leave it right there. So continue to participate. I know it's only January the 3rd. So right now, we I mean, I hope what we will do instead of typically when you start these kinds of challenges, right, you're kind of first, you're kind of moving up, right, kind of this slow trajectory upward. Then you're going to we're going to reach the peak, right, where we have the most amount of people participating, the most excitement, the most engagement. Emails are coming in and then all of a sudden it's going to be dramatic drop off and an explosion at the bottom. And then and then everyone's going to be done with it. Please don't do that. I know it's only January the 3rd. We have a long ways to go in 2024. We have a long ways to go. But let's work together. And let's just take it day by day, choosing random sermons. Sometimes we'll have a day, there's one specific topic like today, which is the name of Jesus. And we explore that. We're also going to be following the uh, historical liturgical calendar and lectionary, which is going to give us specific topics to look at. Um, and then all of this will fit together also maybe in a Bible study exercise that may show up in a in the Bible pop quiz. It's all going to fit together and hopefully it'll be a, a great year. But please, every day, grab that, you know, download the Sermons 2.0 app and just open it up. Random, random, random sermon, unless I'm giving you something specific to focus on. And then write it down in your notebook. Please get a notebook and uh, then some, give us a, a summary statement after listening. And then if you take notes, put the notes in your notebook. All right. In fact, I'm going to get my notebook. Right here. Right here, because I need to write down today's message. But music showed up again three days in a row. Who could have predicted that? I couldn't have. All right. There we go. I'm dropping everything now. Everyone have a great day. Can't wait to get your thoughts. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. If you listen to the rest of that sermon, hey, I want your feedback. I want your thoughts. All right. Everyone have a great day. God bless. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.